Just all the things are happening. What about you? Steve. <laughs> this is ominous. Yes, Dave. I'm a bit rattled, to be quite honest with you, Stephen. Look, What's listen. It? Yes. I know these things happen. I know that, you know, we go into things with a certain set of expectations and, and things change. Yes. I know that votes are tenuous things and they flow mm. one way, they flow another. And by now, after all this time, I should be used to seeing unexpected things happening when people decide to cast their ballot. And yet, Stephen, I'm very, very upset. I am. I, I, I am more upset than I thought I would be. I am so upset that Lydia is no longer on Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers to everyone who's watched Survivor and hasn't caught up. Um, oh, oh, hello. As if I'm going to get this, this podcast <laughs> uploaded before, <laughs> anyone, before anyone has seen that episode of Survivor. Yeah, true. Come That's on, please. Very oh, true. <laughs> anyway, enough about my inadequacies. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm this so... is a sign of the contenders just falling apart, though. The, or champions, even. Oh, true. Sorry, she's but listen, Steve. It's not about what tribe Lydia was on. I just wanted Lydia to win. Why did you want Lydia to win? Because she was awesome. She was pretty great. Well, I mean, look, listen. Shane Gould, sort of, ab- like just planting the 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 seed of doubt into everyone's head. That mm. was, I have to admit, was pretty impressive. But but I just wanted Lydia to win because she's she's just a gun. So, for those that aren't survivor nuts like you and I, Dave, who is Lydia? How does she fit into this process? Well, she's an Australian Olympic aerial skier. Yes. And she she has amazing guns. Mm. And she just has this incredible focus that in any of the endurance challenges... She was on it. She just just, just locks in and it's just like, oh, this is what we're doing now. Yeah. And, you know, admittedly it was an endurance challenge that she got knocked out in, but... Like, just incredible mental toughness, um, as well as being, you know, obviously, a, a, an incredible physical competitor. And and everyone just got scared. And at Shane's uh, suggestion that, oh, you, she's a bit too tough for all of us to take on, bang, out like that. <sighs> oh, and apparently we have a new Prime Minister. <laughs> that, that, that. You know, you know, under, under the circumstances that we have a new prime minister, I have zero fucks to give. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, it's re- it's just it's it's place markers until the election, isn't it? That whole shabacle. I mean, I'm happy that we're not, you know, swearing in a semi-sentient potato as the <laughs> current leader of the Australian Parliament. We both know he was never going to get signed in, uh, voted oh. in, though. Yeah, I had my. Worries, let me tell you. I, I mean, have enjoyed hearing some of the wash up. Now, some of it has been pretty diabolical. 
but I think was it the Saturday paper? Oh that yes, dropped a whole article about some of the inside moves around what went on, and that in the end for the second vote it was a bunch of Morrison supporters that signed on to the vote because it was always going to be this, if we don't, it's just going to hang around and hurt us. So let's get in and nip this in the bud and let's make sure that Dutton isn't the guy. And if Turnbull doesn't stand, well, then our guy gets up. Yeah, look... uh, I mean... Was it Abbott who got, like, there were 35 votes for the empty chair against Abbott? I think that... Yeah. So, uh, it's it's not like this is a group of people who are united at the best of times. Uh, oh, Steve, oh, look, I, I have heard a lot of interesting things and I have a lot of opinions, but at the same time, my care level is just so low because, look, for, for all that uh, people have lamented about what a great guy Malcolm Turnbull was, and I'll be honest, I just haven't ever been on that train... Uh, ultimately, he shepherded through or attempted to shepherd through the worst excesses of what uh, the LNP stood for. Uh, And now Scott Morrison will likely do exactly the same. And look, I am glad that uh, Peter Dutton didn't win the vote, but it's not like Scott Morrison's not responsible for uh, for torturing children in offshore detention camps either. So it's hardly a big step up. Yeah, no, it's, you're right. I mean, all it's done has, has, it's more pandering to the, the, the party politics, right? I don't even know that it is. Like, uh, I don't know. It's funny. I was actually on a, a con call, uh, the the day that it all went down, yes, with a uh, a bunch of people in our Canberra office, and and, and it's Steve. I admit sometimes I am a little bit myopic, and yeah. I do forget that other people don't follow this sort of stuff as closely <laughs> as I do. Uh, what? Who are these people, and how can we stamp them out? And, and, and how can they end up living in Canberra? <laughs> I mean, like, like this is like, like someone in Canberra who doesn't know anything about federal politics is is, is like someone living in a company town in the Latrobe Valley who knows nothing about coal mining or electricity. Like, it's just like really, mm. like, like you haven't even like absorbed a little bit by osmosis just from being around this stuff. Uh. Um. But, uh, but no, they, they were just completely. There literally was a when someone brought up that it was going to be Scott Morrison or Peter Dutton. Someone just went, and, <laughs> and who are they? And I was oh. just like, oh my god, wow. Yeah, that's the thing wow. that hurt me is when I was talking to someone about Peter Dutton and Scott Morrison, and somebody went, wait, who? And they weren't kidding. No, no, and, and, and it's moments like that, Steve, that reminds you that you and I aren't normal people, as much as we'd like to think we are. We are, and this is the thing. We are so not representative of anyone or anything. <laughs> I was going to say, of course we're not normal people, Dave. That's why we have these conversations. <laughs> it's, it's just like we found each other, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. See, it, it, it has been very, very interesting, though, from my perspective, just l- mm. reading some of the, uh, uh, the eulogies for the Turnbull Prime Ministership. Yes. And... My takeaway from it, ultimately, is something that I've believed 
ever since he um, entered federal parliament. And that is just that he's actually not very good at politics. And that's largely because I don't think he's very good at understanding people who aren't at least a little bit like him. Mm-hmm. I, I, we, I, I just... And I don't think it's like a lack of empathy or something like that. I think he's probably far more empathetic than the person who deposed him and the person who tried to. <laughs> but he, I just don't think he can see other perspectives because he is so wedded to the idea that he's the smartest guy in the room and therefore whatever he thinks is right. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that is part of his Achilles heel, like, like that... that not being able to... And, and that, I think that's probably what lost him the leadership both times, is really not being able to zero in on what had people uh, grumpy with him or, or, or why they were trying to do him in. But, uh, like, when he rolled Abbott, he was enormously popular. Mm. And what he didn't seem to get was that his enormous popularity was based on the fact that the general population believed that he would chart a very, very different course to what Abbott had. Now, had he just rushed to an election, he would have been... uh, He he would have been returned with a stomping majority. Oh, would have been phenomenal. We would have had a decade, at least, of... Of Turnbull or whoever his anointed successor was, because and it would have put him in a position to be able to make whatever changes he wanted. It would have because he would have come back with a whole raft of first-term MPs, all of whom would feel would feel that they owed their spot to him, which was yes. exact, which was exactly the same dynamic that Howard had in '96, which like, gets you to a, a, a second term instantly. Exactly, Cause, like. Like, but like the, the strength that Howard really possessed was a like a whole bunch of uh, the class of '96 yep. who believed that they owed their spot in Parliament to John Howard, and so they locked in behind him almost no matter what. And Turnbull could have had that too had he rushed to an election before people had a chance to become disillusioned with him. Mm. Instead, what he did was he hung around for almost another year, and what did he do? He implemented the agenda of Tony Abbott, the person that he had apparently like needed to replace because he was so unpalatable. So by the time he actually got to an election, uh, like they, they, they just sort of snuck in by the skin of their teeth. And he has had no authority in the party room since because rather than coming back with an increased majority, he has had, like, his majority was devastated. And, of course, the seats that were lost were the moderate ones who probably would have supported him, whereas the ultra-conservatives were the ones who survived and were the ones who wanted to do him in. Now, Steve, I am just a suburban dad who lives in a country town, but... I saw this coming at the time. You would have thought that Malcolm Turnbull or someone close to him in a position of influence 
should have been able to foresee that, you know, going to an election straight away while you're popular would have been smarter than trying to implement a whole bunch of unpopular policies in the hope that your smile um, would get this shit show through because you were smart enough not to knight a member of the royal family and eat an onion with the skin on. Mm. But apparently this was not something that occurred to him. So, again, back to my, 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 my beginning contention, I just don't think he's good at understanding the way other people think. Well, look, truth, and I'm not sure that Prime Minister Morrison tries saying that and not feel icky. Um, I'm not sure that Prime Minister Morrison has much of a better idea. Oh, boy. So um, here we go. Mm. We have to have an election by May. I'm deathly surprised... That they haven't, that he hasn't gone to a general election. Oh, I'm with... not. I'm but not. There's, look, what's the chance of them picking up Wentworth? But, Honestly, well, that's pretty funny. Um, and, and when I you... think they'll hold it, I think they will. Yeah, but like by a, a staggering amount or no, by it'll, a slim it'll, margin. It'll... Well, because like it's... a wet foul thin. No, nah, but look, I think Wentworth's on about sixteen percent, and and a lot of that will be a personal vote for Malcolm Turnbull. I think they will get a big swing, but. Like sixteen percent, it's not unheard of, but it's it would be big. It's a lot, but 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 here's the thing: it doesn't matter. Like if they win Wentworth by five percent, which in most elections is a very comfortable margin. Yep. The the, the narrative is you've had a ten percent swing against you. If and, you were the Labor Party, though, wouldn't you just throw everything you have at this? Well, they are, oh, <laughs> and, not yet. and and they will. Yeah. Oh, enough. Uh, well, look, <laughs> at least they have a candidate. You know, they're Truth. already in front of Truth. the lids. Uh, how great, I'll, just sorry, how, how great has it been to hear uh, the son of the former Prime Minister, now former Prime Minister, coming out and saying what he really thinks? It has been interesting, although I have to say um, it's still not, in my estimation, as good as the junkie piece from Chris Kenny's son. No, that um, was pretty spectacular after the, the <laughs> Dumping on his, on his dad after he, after Chris Kenny sued the ABC over the... After Chris Kenny sued the ABC over the yes. uh, chaser. Jeez, we're working blue tonight, aren't we? <laughs> Already. <laughs> um, look... Look, it's fine. Uh, yeah. uh, look, 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 it's entertaining. It, it is only going to reinforce in the minds of the LNP people who were already distrustful of Turnbull that they were right all along. Yes. Um, ultimately, I don't care what a merchant banker has to say about people who, um, you know, did his dad in. It's like, look, yep. yeah, good. Um, yeah. Like, I think it's funny that he's, like, suggesting people should donate to the ALP campaign. <laughs> like, 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 you know, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I can appreciate a really good troll. Uh, but ultimately, I don't care what Alex or Daisy Turnbull have to say about their father's time in as you know, Prime Minister a- any more than I would go and ask Patrick Keating about what he thought about his dad's job. I mean, yeah, you know, it's... I guess the difference is that Malcolm and Lucy uh, have always professed to raise educated children, children who, my perception of the Turnbull home as they were raising their children was always going to be maybe not one of stern discipline, but one of, of more, oh, look, they're just rambunctious. 
We'd love to support them in what they do. They would have gone to Montessori schools. Um, uh, that kind of vibe, right? So to have him now effectively un- unbuckled and unsheathed and able to say what he wants, I'm going to tell you, man, as much as they want to refute and say, well, he's welcome to say what he wants and, and Malcolm's saying it with a wry smile, I reckon we're getting some inside knowledge on this. I reckon we're getting some of the pain of Malcolm writ large out of his son's comments that the media are lapping up reporting. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. And, and uh, look, uh, I'm... I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm having some very big media feels today, Steve, because mm. of course we, we are uh, in the midst of a debate. Yes, between proles like me and journalists who apparently know better <laughs> about the uh, the value of providing a platform to white supremacists. So we had the ABC obviously uh, do an extended interview with Steve Bannon on Four Corners. Yes. Uh, and we saw the New Yorker uh, who invited Steve Bannon to headline a literary uh. festival and then uninvite him after uh, some other people who were on the bill uh, threatened to pull out. Yeah, not just some people, a lot of very lot famous of people. people. Yeah. Uh, and so right now, Steve, I'm not just I'm not feeling all of that, uh, that that positive or compassionate towards people in the media at all, and to the point where you're like, I just don't care what they think because I I am just not sure that what they think is useful. Mm. Mm. Did you see um, Monday nights? Tonightly rebranding to conservatively with Thomas C. Ballard. Look, I did, and I, I, I look. I, I saw the little the bit that they put up on Twitter because mm. because I'm a bad leftist and an old man. I haven't watched Tonightly, <laughs> Steve, and um, even though oh. even, look, I know that some very very clever and talented people have worked very very hard on it, and, and I, like I wish them all the best. I, I'm, I'm not here like making a value judgment about Tonightly. It's just that I just don't watch much TV. Like at all, um, and and I'm you know I'm middle aged. Yeah, but was, I'm middle aged and I watch it. Uh, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anyway, like, I mean, what? I, I like I, I, I watch the feed. That, sure, that's, that's sort of my dip into that sort of genre of of, of news talky stuff. Um, but no, I just. News talky stuff. You are just, old, Dave. I just never got. I just never got. I did. I just never got as far as tonightly. Like I, I enjoyed some of the bits they put up on Twitter, but man, I. It's funny. I, I think of myself as someone who watches a lot of TV. But if you actually sat down and made me do like you know a ratings journal, yes, it would be mostly empty. I, I actually realised that. Like it, it's really funny. We we were watching. Uh, Survivor tonight, clearly. Yes. And a, a couple of ads came on for like a local furniture place. Yes, they're the and, best. And there was like this sort of self-referential gag in the middle of the ad, and all four of us sort of just looked at each other and just going, I don't get it. And I actually said to the kids, that's because there's probably been like a year's worth of ads where this in-joke has continually appeared. Yeah. And... Because we never watch free-to-air TV and have seen none of them, now that we see this one ad in isolation, it has just confused the hell out of us. Yep. Uh, 
And that that's me with almost all television, Steve. Just, I mean... And again, I'm not making a value judgment for the things that you choose to do with your life. Sure. I'm just saying I just don't get there. I just don't. It's all right, Dave. I feel judged. It's fine. <laughs> um, on the so this is the last week of Tonightly. They three two weeks ago. It was see, announced... I know this. See, see, I, I read enough Twitter to know what to, to get the zit guy stuff. What's going on, Stephen? Don't, okay. like, don't don't pander to me. All right. Well, last night they turned over the entire episode. What uh, and the setup was. What if we did the kind of show that those that are criticising us want us to create? Uh, and in that situation, they turned tonightly into conservatively. And Tom stood up with a bow tie and, and made jokes about the left, and, and it was it was reasonably funny. He that did does a pretty, sound kind of funny. It, it was it was mm. a great show. You can catch it on iView. Blah blah blah. All right. Did the, they did they, did they uh, have Caleb Bond on as a special guest? Uh, no. So they didn't really commit to the gag then? <laughs> oh, no. The, the catch was that they had guests pre-booked, so they had to go with them. Right. Uh, and so they had, one of the conversations was they had, oh, I can't remember who it was, some someone, and basically Tom was just straight into him as like, uh, why are you so wrong? Um, <laughs> and it, it was pretty great. But the, the standout piece, the pin-up piece that's been shared all over all of the social medias, is Jazz Twemlow's seven-minute dissection of why the left have caused the alt-right. And it is perfect. Like, it legitimately is an accurate dissertation uh, on exactly how the alt-right have gained so much power, and all of it is because of the left just pillaring everyone. Yes, yeah, I don't don't know. I haven't watched it. I'll, I'll have to go and have a look. But I, I just don't know that I'm on board with that premise. He makes some incredibly salient points as to how we've got here. He speaks with, a, I think it's an ethicist or a journal, a, a psychologist, um, uh, and and ref- yeah, like he calls himself out. He said, "I'm I'm on the left. This is what I think." Blah 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 blah. But there are all these people that are saying these things, and my gut instinct is to lash out at them and tell them that they're wrong and do all of this sort of stuff. And yet they keep rising and they keep turning up, and we keep having. Well, Argument yes, because we keep giving him interviews on Four Corners and acting like they have a valid viewpoint when they don't because they're fucking Nazis. There is abs- Well, he goes on to address that exact issue. Oh, God. So, it's look, it's very good and very reasonable and you no, should watch no, it. Yeah, I'm, see, uh, uh, when it comes to this, I'm, I'm very much um, on board with... It won't change you being a leftist, Dave. Oh, no, no, I don't believe that. But I'm very much on board with, with the, the, the Jay Rosen take. It on the whole uh, problem with the view from nowhere um, carry on that we get from so much of the mainstream media and the ABC are massively guilty of this. Yeah. Um, with with their uh, attempts at balance and it doesn't matter. I mean, the ABC have been shit at dealing with anti-vaxxers. They have been shit at dealing with climate change deniers. And right now, they are shit at dealing with the bloody alt-right neo-Nazis who are, like, unabashedly calling for an, like, white ethno-state. And that's just... Oh. And meanwhile, they're patting themselves on the back because they're going, oh, well, we're interrogating their ideas and we're holding them up to, you know, to scrutiny. It's like, you know what? The people who are jumping on board this... Like, 
they don't care whether or not you you're, you like you land some very clever point. Like Steve, if you put it to Steve Bannon that his ideas are racist, he'll just go yes and. Yeah. Like you haven't won the debate by doing that. All you have done is given him a platform that makes his ideas seem as mainstream as someone else who is just saying, you know what, maybe we shouldn't put people in camps just because they have uh, a different skin colour to me. I, uh, yeah, look, look, look I, I can't make a judgment on the, the piece without seeing it, Steve. But, sure. But, but I, like, I'm in the full-throated, absolute shouting down of ideas and people who literally have no place in a, a civilised debate. Like, I don't like Scott Morrison, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't like what he... Sorry, I should say I don't like what he stands for. I've never met the guy. Maybe he and I would have a, a beer and have a lot of fun. I don't think so, but maybe. Anyway, I don't like what he stands for, but I can see how a lot of his ideas are ones that you need to debate and convince people why there is a better alternative, okay? I, I, I'm not calling to deplatform Scott Morrison, that same uh, argument doesn't hold for someone like Steve Bannon, mm. who is calling for, as I said, like a white ethnostate. Someone who is saying we should define people's ability to participate in society based on their skin colour. Like, that is simply not okay. And the only way that you can deal with that legitimately is to just say, you don't get a seat at the table. You are not part of the conversation because what you are saying has absolutely nothing useful to contribute. So that, that that's, where, that's where I come from. And I don't disagree with you, Dave. Don't pander to me, Mulk. <laughs> Do you, Dave? Wow, what is going on? Oh, I'm punchy. Lydia got voted off Survivor, and that is bullshit. <laughs> Matt Rogers, who I'd come to love, turned on Lydia. Yeah, I know it's it's pretty diabolical. And, and look, it? you know, look, I, I can see why you because I mean, she was she deserved to win it. She's the best thing on that show. By the way, you want to know how the only reason I know this? Know what? That Lydia got voted out and that Matt Rogers turned against her and blah, Because blah, blah. you've been watching previews and you're like no, a couple of episodes quite, ahead? quite no? the reverse. Oh, I don't really? have access to Channel 10's preview platform. Because they don't like me. We've talked about that. Um, no, no, I read the well, press that's, release. That's right. I, I, I forgot that it's on Channel 10 because we get on Win, yeah. And part of my head still thinks that that's Channel 9. <sighs> that means you... Oh, wow. We have to talk about that. So, yeah. Um, yes. Well, yes, I've got Sky News free. Free to Sky News. Wow. Oh, how lucky am I, Steve? So lucky. Um, No, no, I read the press release when I finished my last podcast, so I knew that Lydia had left. Uh, (laughs) But had I not, I'm still going to watch the episode tonight. I still haven't seen it. Well, you should, if for no other reason than to just sort of see how incredibly uh, devious (laughs) Shane Gould was. It was incredible. Oh, and, she was and, being set up to be that. Like, the oh, promise yeah, had been... That not was just that, but, just, but no, no, no. Just so blatant. Like, she makes this great... Like, the way that she uh, works it, 
the the way that she turns the tribe on Lydia yeah. is just so blatant. Almost like, as good as the way the contenders have been imploding because he... Uh, uh, Bugalugs and what's-his-face have been... Oh, no, we have to break up those two people, all five of us. Oh, yeah. Idiots. I don't like Benji. Benji's a Gumby. Um, but, no, no, Steve, it, it, like, you know how you, you think about, like, a big part of survivors, you know, people being devious and sneaky and all this yeah. sort of stuff. No, no, Shane just, just literally comes straight out and, it, like, regardless of who's in front of him, just goes, you know what? Lydia's a real big threat. We should just vote her out. Like, like, to, wow. like really, really openly and just builds and builds and builds until it gets to the point where everyone just goes, oh, shit, there's no alternative. She dropped the mic and walked away. Well, and that's the thing. And once she flipped um, Maddie and uh, Commando Steve, that was it. <sighs> Done. All, all yeah, yeah. Well, they're influencers in Champions, right? They're the yep. guys that are there that are just... They may not be the ones running it, but they are the ones absolutely going, oh, I reckon mm. there's some people coming to... Who do you reckon we should... Yeah, yeah. no, it was good. So, I've got to tell you, though, I, I, I still stand by my early comments of really enjoying Australian Survivors like more even than the American one just because of the attitudes and uh, of the, the the players yeah they like, really nailed the casting yeah oh yeah and, and look listen no one ever likes getting voted out yeah uh, and, and look I was a bit upset when Tegan got voted out too to be honest I thought that was a bit ridiculous but um, everyone just sort of takes it on the chin, and it's just like, oh, yep, all good. You're like you, you don't sort of see the tantrums and the venom and the nonsense that so many of the players in the American um, Survivor like come up with, and it's just like, it, it's. I just find it refreshing. I, I just find it a lot more fun. That's just me. Oh, and it's criminally underappreciated too. It's not rating as well as it could or should. And we are not long off getting, I think it's season 37 of American Survivor, David versus Goliath. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If, if Australian Survivor decides to do an Australian versus Goliath, Steve, I'll throw my hat in the ring. Because, <laughs> because I'm a David in every sense. <laughs> not only am I called David, I quite literally fit the, the mould of being uh, undersized and potentially uh, ready to be stomped on by a larger adversary. So We'll make sure that Steve Bannon's in the Goliath <laughs> That That might, might be my chance to... Uh, actually, I've got to tell you, Steve, it, like, it, our, our kids, obviously, uh, well, one's a teenager and one's on the cusp of beca- but... becoming so. Uh, so you, you, at this point, you really, really become really grateful and you really treasure the moments when your kids still think that you're awesome. Yep. So tonight, watching Survivor, Callie turns and goes, Mum, Dad, you know, one of you two really should be on Survivor because you're smart and you're pretty strong and I think you could probably win it. Yeah, it's <laughs> It was just like, oh, darling, you're amazing. You're so good. I think you're wrong, but thank you for your yes. faith in your parents. Extra scoop of ice cream before bedtime. <laughs> Yep. I feel that. I feel that. Mm. I too think you should be on Survivor because you're strong and you're smart and all those things. I, I would love to be on Survivor. Mate, everyone that watches wants to be on Survivor. Oh, That's why, the hook. Why wouldn't you? Why? Yeah. Mate, 
I, Who cares that you eat like a half a cup of rice a day for thirty days if you make it that far? Well, at least at least they give you rice. <laughs> Remember back in the early days of American yeah, Samoa where they didn't give them food. Nothing. And they were all emaciated by about three weeks in. Oh man, I remember <laughs> practically some of those passing early, out. Yeah, those early seasons, yes. like China and those sorts of ones, where they absolutely were like skin and bones. Some of the women, yeah, like they had walked out of the jungle, walking out of prisoner of war camps. Yep. It was pretty nasty. It was, yeah. <laughs> at least now they've gone, you know what? We should at least give these people some carbs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I think we have a responsibility here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But no, look, I, I, Steve, I've watched enough uh, survivalist videos on YouTube to think that I could make some pretty natty shelters just quietly. Yep. Um, you know, I reckon I could do a fair bit of, uh, of uh, pretty tidy bamboo work. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I'd like it. I mean, you've got nothing else. This is the thing that always, I think, disappoints me about Survivor, is that once they get the, the most rudimentary of shelters set up, that's it. That's what they stick with. Yep. And I do wonder whether part of that is the producers going, uh, no, guys, you really can only have one wall because we need to be able to sit here and film you. Um, because, like, you've got months out there. Like, why wouldn't you build something a little bit more elaborate? Yeah. Uh, and, like, uh, when I was in Thailand, a lot of the places we were travelling through... Um, there, there, there were a lot of like bamboo buildings and stuff like that, and they were amazing, Steve. And and talking to the people who were living in them and using them, and these really were. And admittedly, the you know, they would call on the the skills of everyone who lived in their village, uh, but they would knock up these really elaborate things in a day or two. So yeah, even without a lot of skills. Jumping out onto some of these islands, they should do, be able to do something a bit better than an A-frame with a few palm leaves on it. Yeah, look, absolutely. They should be able to build a decent platform up off the ground um, that they can all sleep on, that's sturdy, that's... Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem. And, and I mean, let, let's be honest. We, we, Australian Survivor especially, like, most of these people have been either to Bali or Phuket. These bastards should have seen something yep. made out of bamboo a little bit better than just palm fronds lying oh, on mate, the sand. Well, you have a look. Have a look at the the guys that are competing in American Survivor now, right? Thirty seven seasons in, they're turning up. Some of them having put themselves through their own Survivor boot camp, <laughs> like where they're living out the back of their house for three weeks with you know the staples and and they're making fire each night and they're building a shelter and they're doing all of that sort of stuff. Uh, and turning up on the island and just absolutely killing. Their, their social game may be absent, but their ability to survive is right on point. We still have Aussies turning up on Australian Survivor. Admittedly, it's the only the third season in. Going, oh, I didn't know that I wouldn't have very much to eat. <laughs> you dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but look, yeah... Y- just looking at the, at the the condition they're in after a month out there, uh, and the, their bodies still have definition. You know, look, rice and beans might be boring, but no one's starving on Australian Survivor. 
No, that's, and, and look, they can supplement that with all manner of seafood while they're on islands. They don't necessarily need the fishing kit, though if they get it, they get to benefit from it, no question. Uh, that said, even when they get the fishing kit, oh, more than two-thirds of them have no idea what to do with it. No, nah, not a clue. Like, they, all, they always get a net. When was the last time you saw anybody casting that net to try and catch any fish? Yeah, no. Nah, nah. Idiots. It's, it's, it is pretty funny. Maybe you and I should do Survivor together, Steve. Oh. You know what we need, Steve? We need to find a... Because I think Survivor is just... It might be just that little bit too... It might be that bit too much for us. But I think what we need to do is we need to find a show, Survivor-ish. Maybe, maybe Steve, maybe, maybe we need to go on uh, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. I don't know whether it would be harder for you and I to become celebrities in order to, like... <laughs> listen, to be fair, we only need to become D-listers to get on there. I don't yeah. know whether that would be harder or to get on Survivor. What do you reckon? I mean, especially things... I mean, I'd like to go with you. Like, yeah, I, look... I think, I think it wouldn't be fun if, you didn't, if we didn't do it together. It's definitely going to be harder for us to get on to I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, because we don't fulfill do at least so? two of the criteria. Which is what? Desperate Celebrity. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I could play a desperate celebrity. Well, yes, you could. <laughs> I mean, and, but what you also forget, uh, forgetting, Steve, though, we do fit one of the other criteria of I'm a Celebrity, oh, Get yeah, Me Out of that, Here. Dave? It's that, that 95% of the viewing audience have never heard of you. <laughs> so that one we've got down pat. I would lo- Honestly, I would love to hear how they PR spin uh, who I am. You know, when they come in, they're such and so, or like they're sizzle, like so that when they guess who the person is, uh, and then when they come out and they go, they're a famous comedian of such and th- blah, 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 blahs. And it's like, no, they're not. <laughs> no, they're, you got that very wrong. And particularly the way they sizzle the, um, who is going to be um, uh, the thing. Um who's going to be the big American guest that inevitably gets brought in and what their career looks like and how they sizzle that and it's diabolical every time. They have no idea. Speaking of uh, of American celebrities, yes. have you been following the furor at all about uh, one of the actors who used to be on the Cosby show being yes. shamed on Fox News uh, because he has a day job at Trader Joe's? Yeah, we just had a... This is podcast crossover. We recorded um, TV Black Box earlier tonight. Well, let's just at, pretend that you didn't be... Let's, at, let's just oh, pretend... Oh, no, no, this is good, because no, no, I'm no, prepared. Let's just, just pretend that you're podcast monogamous, Steve, and we'll, okay. uh, we'll, we'll go from there. I don't talk to anybody else, and I have many <laughs> unformed ideas that I'm willing to speak with you about, Dave. <laughs> oh, good. So, I, the, the... I just find it astonishing that they would, like, even think that most actors wouldn't need day jobs. Uh, look, it's on so many layers. It's diabolical, like very, very seriously. It's very, very wrong. Um, there is no reason the person that took the photo, instead of going, "Oh well, look, I recognise them and I can't believe them," like this false assertion that every actor that has been on TV in your entire life is a bajillionaire is patently false. Just wrong, wrong, wrong. We, we we learned that one time when we went to a bar in Ultimo and was served by Ashley Pask. Yeah, oh, mate. If uh, if you're in Melbourne, you could get what's his name with the curly hair, the guy that plays 
Um, he's on Doctor Doctor right now as um, oh, Vince Colosimo. He could have come and built a cupboard for you. There you go. Like there's there's actors working in bar jobs, working in, in hospitality, working in uh, uh, trades, not necessarily as tradespeople, as as you know, like labourers and stuff. Because that's gigs that they can get and stop and start at the drop of a hat. Because when it rains, they've got to carry their big buckets over to the place where it's raining and work their asses off and earn the cash. And you've got to work. If you're smart, you work and you save that cash. Like, I'm never working in this industry again. Because you have to. Well, look. Because you might not be. Well, Harrison Ford was literally working as a carpenter when he got cast for Star Wars. I know. Like, and, like, he was literally building stuff near the set. One you film know. turned that around for him, though. Well, um, you know. But, but, but the, the, the premise that you know, someone should be ashamed of, of having a job is... Yeah, it's stupid. It's pretty... the worst case of class shaming. Oh. And, and horrid that Fox thinks that every one of the journalists on those bloody Fox News shows could be out of a job in a nanosecond. Oh, if only that were true, Stephen. But it, it, they legitimately, if they say something that, that doesn't kowtow to their venerable leaders, they are out on their ear... And in the current state that we alluded to before, they are not just going to get picked up by, you know, CNN or NBC or any of those kinds of places. Because it's just, it's toxic what the, the presenters on uh, Fox News do. So consequently, they're either trying to, they'll create their own blog, try and monetize their own podcast. Why they'd try that, I have no idea. Um, or, or any number of things. But the bottom line is at some point, if they haven't squirreled away millions they're going to have to go and get another job. And it might be that they're packing at Trader Joe's. It might be that they're working behind the counter at your local bank. It might be that whatever it is, if they're putting in an honest, day, honest, if they're putting in an honest day's work, bloody let them. Well, and it's not just that. Well, the, the, the other thing too is in the US, a country that doesn't have universal health care, the amount of, of GoFundMes and stuff that I'm seeing pop up out of that country absolutely depresses me just to help people with their medical bills. How could you not, like, even if you were, uh, you know, you know a, a working actor, but maybe not sort of, you know, a headline star, how could you not think about maybe having to have a second job just to try to get hold of uh, some health care? Well, this like, is the thing. Unless you're working often enough, you don't get proper health care. Um, like it, that's the difficulty of the healthcare system in America. If you're working on, um, and in part, this is the whole blow up around Roseanne and, and what will be the Connors, the Connor family. Um, there were a whole bunch of people, not even the on-screen people, the people that are the carpenters and the, the, the caterers and the people that work on the shows that are, you know, the runners and the rest of it, that were just out of jobs and therefore no income, no ability to provide for their family, no health benefits the show basically needed to go on because these people had banked on having health and having all of those things because you have to work a certain number of, I think it's days or weeks a year in it from an actor's equity point of view, let alone any of the other unions to qualify to get those benefits. Otherwise you're just a freelancer. And, and which, and this is one of the things that, that we don't often celebrate about Medicare and our welfare system in Australia is it actually provides the ability for people to make great art. Yep, 100%. Uh, and that 
that actually often sort of gets derided about artists being a bunch of troll bludgers and blah 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 but that actually should be something that we celebrate like yeah. like that we, we should celebrate that we have something in place that actually allows people well at one point probably not so much these days with the, with the new start being so far below the poverty line but mm. in theory we we actually have something where people can devote themselves to creating amazing art and they don't have to worry that that means that if they get sick, that they are going to die in a ditch. Like, that's great. Like, the, that's fucking civilization right there. Yep. Like, that's what it, That's what I would have thought it was all about. Yeah. And look, the, the tough part about this is absolutely uh, that that's not the case. You know, and, and because we then have conservatives in power, they fail to see any benefit for it. There's no reason for it. It doesn't fit their wherewithal or their um, rationale for being able to fund things, which is why we then have, you know, uh, Centrelink New Start Allowance being criminally, criminally low as it is. Yep. Uh, We're not really going to get into any kind of contrarian conversation on this podcast, are we? Ever. Well, no, because we're good people, Stephen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you've tuned in for controversy, you're in the wrong place. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> yes. Here's the thing. See, Stephen, if you were a raging asshole, I probably wouldn't want to talk to you. <laughs> and, so, and and neither are you, Dave. So, so the fact that, that, that we agree on the fact that people should be cared for and, take it, and looked after and that we should use the enormous wealth that we collectively own to make sure that no individual uh, is left uh, destitute, I, I don't find that particularly controversial. I mean, look, we're not as good at it as, as we should be. That is pretty bloody clear. True. But, uh, uh, but that, that said, that centre, set of guiding principles uh, seems to be one that we can agree on. And, and I don't find that a problem. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. See, this is one of those times where, you know, the the voice of, of the contrarian is just not welcome because yep. like who are these people is there anything more deluded than these libertarians or weird whacked out conservatives who seem to genuinely believe in this like survival of the fittest bullshit with absolutely no acknowledgement of their own privilege. Like, oh, God. It is just so frustrating, Stephen. Yes. so, so frustrating. I agree. (sighs) Boy. Yeah, I know. Anyway. But uh, apparently the left are the real Nazis for not letting Steve Bannon (laughs) speak. Oh, look, and then apparently, I haven't caught up, but apparently tonight, uh, Lee Sales has either written or tweeted or said uh, that... They she, she tweeted uh, something very dumb, Steve. That they shouldn't have disinvited him or something. Let, let me, God, let me find it. Oh, Dave, we're not Googling things. Come no, on, no, we know no, where that ends us up. <laughs> that ends us with <laughs> Professor Poppinjay or whatever his <laughs> name was. We haven't even started talking about HR Puff and stuff. What are you talking about? Oh, that was a weird show. Although, <laughs> um, it's not not a uh, not not a not a patch on bloody uh, uh, what do they call them? 
What, the banana splits. Oh man, that was a weird show. Like, <laughs> like I, really I do crazy. still to this day not understand why it was a thing. No, it was. But who didn't love the idea of guys in these weird big dog animal suits, just absolutely hot footing it around somewhere in the back of LA on a slot on a, a lot in what were beach buggies? But see, but see, here's the, the the weird thing you've got to also bear in mind, Steve, is that by the time we were watching this, this was stuff that had happened like fifteen to twenty years ago. It's not like it was current stuff when you no, and I no. were watching it as kids, like, like, oh. The, the the weird shit that showed up on Australian TV uh, in the, like, 70s and 80s, it will always perplex me. Anyway, back back to uh, Lee Sales. So uh, there was a, a Newsweek tweeted that people were threatening to boycott the New Yorker because, of, because Steve Bannon was headlining a festival. And here was Lee Sales' take on that. Another example of the pushback against free speech and the lack of willingness to hear and debate ideas that differ from one's own. I hope New Yorker doesn't buckle. Fuck me, Steve. How hard can you not get it? Like... Yeah. Okay, so... But did she not get it, or was it a brain snap, or was it that she is trying to voice... Uh, a different view, or because we don't really think we don't so, really so think. Here's, here's her follow-up tweet to that: "Was if you believe in the value of somebody like Steve Bannon being publicly questioned and held to account, not that you you can't hold these fuckers to account. I recommend Four Corners last night and Ferguson News, a, a amazing interview, which of course was uh, Sarah Ferguson and Sarah Ferguson, mate. Sarah Ferguson is my is my journalism crush. I think she is one of the Best, if not the best, journo in Australia, uh, but that doesn't change the fact that th- these people aren't playing by the rules and giving them any kind of legitimacy at all serves their purpose far more than any kind of gotcha question that you think you can come up with. Like, I, I, I genuinely wonder, I, I genuinely wonder how Lee Sales would feel if. Uh, she was asked to interview a person whose in, entire philosophy was that women, all women needed to be subjugated and should have no place in public life. I mean, uh, and were completely unapologetic about it. Like, yep. like, I can only imagine that that would make Lee Sales pretty uncomfortable in the face of something that no matter how compelling her arguments were against that position if that person simply said, no, you absolutely, having you here on this television show is an abomination. You have no place in public life. You should just be out of here barefoot and pregnant and looking after your children. Yep. I suspect that that would make her feel a little uncomfortable. Sure, absolutely Um, would. And then if that was then followed up by a whole bunch of people going, yay, finally we're being heard. I, I don't think that she would be proud of that. And yet we have this dude here that she's going, oh, free speech argument for someone. I mean, Steve, you and I have the privilege of being middle-aged white men who, Steve Bannon's not coming for us. But let me tell you, there are a lot of people out there who understandably feel quite frightened at the prospect of a Bannon-type figure and his band of merry followers saying that, oh, 
your skin tone's not quite right, we absolutely should have the right to throw you out of our country, to bloody make sure you can't earn a living, to look after your family. God knows what these yep. bastards think um, is a, a reasonable way to deal with people who don't fit their personal ideal. Uh, and I know I just think that a lot of the, again, journo's are educated white middle class people predominantly. Yeah, and I think that that is a set of blinkers that they are far too often unaware of. And 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 I say this as a person who I can see in myself. It took me a long time to to acknowledge those blinkers. Myself, like it took a long time for me to recognise my own privilege and see the, the like the blind spots in the way that I perceived the world, um, and like I yeah I, I look back on on things that I thought said and advocated for decades ago and go wow you just completely missed the plot, um, and at the moment I think because journos get you know, hammered so often from so many angles that they do, you know, build up this protective shell. I think it sometimes means that they do not take the time for that self-reflection to look for their blind spots. Oh, for sure. Because Absolutely. It, because so many people from so many different angles are hammering them and saying, you got this wrong, you got this wrong, you got this wrong, um, how dare you take this position, that the only possible defense mechanism is to really try to block out all of that and label all criticism as being equal and have faith in your own position and your own um, ability to, to see through stuff. Like, yep. and, and I think that's a very normal and a very human position for them to take. Unfortunately, it means that when they do come up against something like, you know, a Breitbart, Steve Bannon... Alt right, um, fringe person who doesn't want to play by the rules, they get sucked in. Yep. And I don't think it's because they're bad people, but I do think that it's a case of them completely missing how badly they are misserving the people that they want to represent. Absolutely. I'm glad you agree, Steve. So I don't have to hang up on you. <laughs> I'm not sure I was ever going to. Not well, I was hovering know. over the the, the the button just in case. Oh gosh, <laughs> never before has there been a more brutal experience. Oh, look, oh, Steve. Oh, I mean, <laughs> and you and I. I hate to say it, you and I probably aren't going to solve this here, especially not tonight. But <laughs> fuck me, what do we do, Steve? I mean. And part of the difficulty that I have in this situation uh, is I actually feel a real... Uh, I, I feel that, that, that around a lot of this stuff, I need to actually allow the voices of people who are affected and know better than me to actually step in here because I think the last thing that these conversations need is more middle-aged white guys pontificating. And it's a really difficult position to be in in terms of uh, 
genuinely believing that my voice isn't the most important one in a debate like this, but also not wanting to be seen, not, not, not wanting my silence to be seen as some kind of acceptance of sure. the status quo. It's a, uh-huh. it's a, it, it's a fine line to walk, you know? Um, I guess, you know, you, you, you <laughs> seeing as the entire world is, you know, defined through the filter of Twitter, you uh, <laughs> re- re- try to retweet en- enough people who are affected and who do have that important things to say and let that support try to be the way you identify your position on it. But even doing that, it still feels really hard at times to just not pile on. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good thing I don't have a politics podcast, Stephen. (laughs) Could you imagine if you did? Wow. Uh, Maybe I need a media analysis podcast instead. Oh, no, you don't want that. No, no, probably not. <laughs> uh, but just, uh, look, I guess I, I, I feel a, a real sense of helplessness, though, because, like, I think the first time I saw Jay Rosen on Twitter would have been maybe 2010? Mm-hmm. Eight years, right? For eight years, this guy who is a well-credentialed academic has been pointing out the danger of the, as he calls it, the view-from-nowhere position of news media and and how journalism that embraces that is not equipped to deal with the modern communication strategies of different interest groups around the world. Right, you know, He's yep. been saying, and no one's fucking listening. <laughs> no yep. one is listening to him. Like, I, every time I see see J Rose and tweet, I just think, "You poor man." Like, like, like y- you are like a modern Cassandra. Like he called all of this out way before any of us saw it, and way before it really, ha- yeah, it seemed to have. Um, a serious impact, right? And yet, no one is listening, and everything he is saying is coming true. Like, imagine dealing with that. And so, like, if you know, our journalist class is not going to listen to someone like Jay Rosen, they're sure as hell not going to listen to us, Malk. Mate, I'm surprised anyone listens to us. <laughs> I'm astonished. Like every week. I, I'm astonished. <laughs> I think some people have actually just started. Uh, listening in to see whether or not they're going to get sub-potted. Uh, <laughs> that or just to see which one of us breaks this week. <laughs> oh, boy. But, you know, that is all upsetting, but it, um, it's not quite as upsetting as Lydia being voted off Survivor. I mean... I don't feel you. What were they thinking? Well, that's it. There was only a couple of people that were thinking. I don't know. Oh, dear. All right. Apart from all of this nonsense, how, how else have you been, Stephen? What's going on? What's your world like? How's work? Yeah, busy. I've got a lot of stuff on. I have to convince uh, my boss to to let me spend some money that we hadn't budgeted that is necessary for our Christmas video. So stay tuned there. Um, I suspect... Oh, look, I don't know how that's going to go, honestly. We're kind of committed to it now is the problem. Like, we're a little bit far down the chain to go, oh, we're not doing it. But, but Steve, you know. But 
do they know it's Christmas time? Oh, look, can they feed the world? Um, I, look, sure, let's hope that they do. Um, I'm not asking for much. Like, to be frank, I'm only after a couple of thousand bucks, I think. And I think I've even got a professional crew uh, lined up to give us a really great deal in both recording it and in then providing us lights for the filming the next week, uh, which will be amazing if that's the thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's just all sort of many, many levels of, yeah, many, many levels of we have to get a lot of stuff lined up and things have to fall into place. Mm. So that's good. That's a bit of a stress that I didn't really need. Um, there's uh, a couple of youth camps coming up when I'm speaking at that I have to get finished writing my stuff for. Um, actually, it's really busy. I've got that. And then not long after that, we've got a conference at work that I'm also doing a session at and then another one with two other people who seem completely disinterested in helping write it. It's the worst group assignment ever. Oh, no. And, yeah, and they're ones that the person who's organising said, you three can do it. And they've all gone, it's like, did you even talk to these other two people? I feel like I'm roping them into this and they didn't know that you wanted them to do it. Um, and so I've got to speak then and do something else that week and then I've got something else coming up there's just there's just lots of things. There's just lots of things. It's not bad. I don't mind it. There's just lots of things. My work world has been very interesting this last week or so, Stephen. Yeah, well, what's going on? We got the results back from our employee engagement survey. Oh, how did that go? <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Let me tell you, Stephen. Uh, my team, <laughs> apparently... According to all the results from the survey, not what you would call particularly engaged. (laughs) And uh, there are a lot of very senior people in the organisation who are not very impressed by the fact that our team is not apparently particularly engaged. But they're smart enough to realise that's not your problem, right? Oh, God knows, Steve. (laughs) Oh, he's serious? (laughs) We had a... We had a we had a, a, a meeting earlier this week with someone who's a, a little bit higher up the org chart than who normally has a chat to us, uh, and you know wanted to you know impress upon us the importance of you know being engaged and and, and you know and to their credit there was there were there was plenty of uh, of listening, uh, and there were some. Truth bombs dropped by people in my team about things that they were unhappy about. That I think that this particular person was not expecting to hear. And so we we have some follow up meetings, oh. Steve. We we have follow up going. So I, I don't. Given that some of the people that they are frustrated with are so high up the org chart that, 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 that our um, our objections will probably be smoothed over before they get too high up. So it won't be the same sort of uh, scenario that you and your team went through. Uh, it will be fascinating to oh, uh, see imagine. the responses over the next couple of months because, uh, uh, yeah, no one was happy. <laughs> but see, here's the crazy thing, though, Steve. Like, uh, in theory, the whole idea of these, these surveys is for decision makers to find out that things are going wrong and, um, and and try to correct the course. But in practice, what often seems to happen is that people who uh, are unhappy basically get um, 
a red cross at, uh, uh, next to their name because they're disengaged <laughs> and they're not on board and they're not helping. Uh, and so they're not always listened to as closely as perhaps they should be. So we're walking that tightrope at the moment, Steve. It is fascinating. Gosh. It's a dangerous place to be, particularly when management like arc up or don't care or, or freak out at the responses that they get. Well, well, and just to, just just to add to the mix, we, our team last week had uh, one person uh, made redundant, uh, and Ooh. there were a few other people around the country who were in the same situation. So all of a sudden, uh, everyone, people, lots of people have unloaded on the survey, which of course was taken you know a month or two back. But now, <laughs> when the follow-up happens, and it's just like, what the hell's going on? In, in the face of you know a whole bunch of workforce reductions, no one's necessarily all that keen to speak up. Yeah. So the whole process is just a bit uh, diabolical. It's oh Steve, it's just crazy. It's, I don't envy you, mate. Oh, but here's here's part of what makes it weird and and crazy though is is the fact that my team is is like based in Canberra, and. So we deal with federal government departments who have a whole bunch of different needs than you know, other corporate customers, right? And like normal business models just don't cope with that. They just don't. Like like the sort of restrictions that they have and, and, and all sorts of different stuff that they need. And, and these are genuine needs and stuff that that I understand and I'm on board and going, yep, absolutely, we should do this for you. But you're trying to put that in a process that's been designed by someone to be uh, applied globally and it just doesn't fit, Steve. It just doesn't fit. It does not, does it? And so the question comes down and going, well, why aren't you following the process? And it's like, well, because we just can't. It's real meat in the sandwich stuff. It's, look... I think I'm keeping my humour. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a weird, weird place and time to be, that's for sure. Ah, oh, boy. Corporate world is weird, Stephen. It, oh, it really is the worst, is. man. It re- like, there, there, there's a strange psychopathy about the whole thing. And and the and let's be honest, the idea of the, uh, you know, the secure job for life is just so unrealistic these days that um you know i don't know yeah i don't engagement mate it just seems to be a very loaded term yes oh boy so your xbox what's the what's he doing with himself these days (laughs) my xbox my son no your ex-boss oh my ex-boss yeah he's still around he's still part of the team um He's trying to work through some of the feelings of how he feels he maybe wasn't done right by, um, which is valid given that what he copped, I'm sure, because uh, it was a bit of a blindside to him. He thought he was doing great. Um, we had a big... <laughs> it was going to say, he got Lydian. Yeah, big time. He did not see that coming. Um, we had a big strategy day a couple of weeks ago, and as far as I'm concerned, we just wrote down a whole lot of words that... I'm not convinced are going to mean a whole bunch. Are, are, are you not a believer in the uh, the, the, the the butcher's paper? 
Oh, it was a bit broader than that, but there certainly was Butcher's paper and post-it notes involved. Um, and it was consultative and developed and then came out of our conversation, and that's fine. I think that the way that other people in the team are taking it um, and, and interpreting it and understanding it are very different to the way how I would be reading it and understanding it, but then I'm clearly on the wrong page to everybody else. So, you know, that's where we're at. Mm. You know, yeah. there, there'll be lots of water under the bridge and lots of other things to happen and lots of things. To, I'm not going to lose my job by any stretch. I'm, I am going to have to suck some stuff up. I can see that coming straight away. Um, but that's it's the life of the job when you're not the boss. Or yeah. not an influencer in a position where you can change it to be how you want it to be. Oh, mate. I, I hear you there. <laughs> uh Team leader of the ugly team leader the ugliest words in the in the English language really, ugh. Yep. Talk about a lack of influence. Oh, totally. You have no control over anything. No. All you're expected to do is rouse the troops and and spin the story and no. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's 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 pretty awful. But it, again, it, it it's it's funny slash sad seeing in an organisation like it's amazing. You sort of go. How far up this org chart can I look before I can see someone who actually has any agency? And realistically, you have to go a long, long, long way uh, because all these people who are trying to um, uh, help direct things, ultimately, if you sort of sit down and spend some time uh, assessing what they're doing and what they're asking, it's just like, ah, yeah, you've got no choice in this at all, do you? Like... (laughs) Like the real the real question is how far up the chain do you go before they get to see daylight? Oh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, and, and I've got to be honest with you, Steve. I I, I, I understand and and seeing myself too. The, this the like I have become institutionalized in this <laughs> weird weird organization, and it's really really hard to think outside the way the organization works yes. because there is so much stuff that over time you've just become used to that on the face of it is ridiculous. Yep. It makes no sense whatsoever, but you have done it for so long and everyone has just gone along with it that no one questions it anymore. Yeah. And like that in itself, Steve is it's, it's kind of like a shared delusion and I'm not quite sure how to break out of it. I'm not sure there's an easy way to do it. Oh, boy. Oh. It's, the world is so weird, Steve. I mean, Lydia's been voted off Survivor. <laughs> I mean, nothing makes sense anymore. I know, it's a crazy life, isn't it? People mm. are cutting the Nike swooshes off their socks. Oh, that is so I mean, cool. who knows what's going on? I've got to tell you. I was I was so happy to see that Colin Kaepernick poster this morning because I knew exactly what was coming. Like I think there is nothing funnier than uh, people destroying their own property to inverted commas own the libs. <laughs> oh mate, there's a there's a guy, a guy, a guy called John Rich. Let's find out who John Rich is. Uh, he is one half of Big and Rich, um, which is a country and western band in America. Uh, I guess they're important because they've got 
116,000 followers. Anyway, John Rich tweeted a photo. Our sound man just cut the Nike swoosh off his socks. He's a former Marine. Get ready, Nike. Multiply that by the millions. And there's a picture of these hands showing these socks with the swooshes cut out. And then uh, a very excellent internet person called Kyle Griffin, um, who produces, uh, among other things, the last word on MSNBC, uh, retweeted it and said, destroying a product that you already paid for isn't a boycott. (laughs) Like just that moment of sanity in the midst of the craziness. It's like, yeah, guys, come on. So what's really fascinating to me about this is... So, so, like, Nike um, is, I'm pretty sure at the moment, the apparel sponsor of the NFL. Sure, that sounds about right. Right. Colin Kaepernick is persona non grata in the NFL. Well, within some corners of it, yes. No, 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 no. Like, when I say within the NFL, I'm you talking... the management. I'm, I'm talking the owners and... and yeah, and, fine, yep. And head office, right? Sure. So, we now have this collision course between the oh, NFL... And one of their major sponsors. And it would be fascinating to see who is right. Because of clearly, clearly, uh, Nike, uh, it's not like this didn't come out by accident. No, no. In fact, I read an article today about it. Nike have been sponsoring Kaepernick personally for... For about about six years, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to keep him in their bank. Yeah. So yeah. that when there's a talent that but, we need... But they, ha- but they haven't been promoting him at all. No. Right. No, that's it. They've been paying him but not promoting him. Basically holding out for that moment when this becomes a Colin Kaepernick moment. So, and this, yeah. this piece that they've dropped, this whole campaign they've started, is what, the 20th? 30th, 30th year? 30th anniversary of the Just Do It campaign. The holy shit balls. Okay. So it's... It, it, there's there's a whole lot tied up there. So clearly, Nike have made the decision that 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 standing by Colin Kaepernick, standing by which 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 stands for standing by Black Lives Matter, standing up against um, you know Trumpism and all of that yep. sort of shit. They have decided that that is what is uh, the best. Uh, economic standpoint that they can take because look, look it, you could say oh it's heartwarming that uh, Nike are doing this. yeah they get fucked uh, Nike <sighs> are doing this because they think that this ultimately will help their bottom line yes 100% meanwhile the NFL who the Nike are a major sponsor of the NFL have well Colin Kaepernick is suing them for saying that he's been basically blackballed by the owners yep um, whether he can prove that or win it in a court case or not, I don't know, but I have no doubt that he's right. Yeah. Uh, the owners, abs- like, like, like the 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 uh, poli- uh, police brutality protests during the national anthem that Kaepernick started and that have been carried on by a lot of other players. Yes, is not something that the owners are endorsing. No, like, yeah. it's very. We'll have a look at the latest NFL rule change. Yes, that says that anyone that takes a knee it basically gets dumped. Yep, you can do. You can take your make your political statements in the locker room. Mm-hmm. How many teams are going to have less than half their team on the field for the anthem? Yeah, it will be. Uh, uh, and it will, at it will, some point, it it's going to get to a team, a an, an entire team that will run out. And then turn around and walk back inside. Well, see, here's the thing. 
like up until a few years ago, the teams never used to come out during the anthem at all. Right? What started them coming out during the anthem was or before when, the anthem. Yeah, yeah. What 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 started that was when, um, like it, that grew out of the you know the the rah rah the military is an awesome round that the NFL uh, do uh, that was like paid for by yes. the American military like like yeah. like the NFL didn't do it just because they thought it would be good but their whole we honor the troops thing was a paid promotion and as part of that they wanted everyone to come out during the anthem and all that stuff um, so even having the players on the field during the anthem is like has been a marketing angle from the NFL and now it's backfiring uh, and they're not happy about it clearly but I guess the bigger point is the people who own NFL teams predominantly very old very white men are at uh, loggerheads really with Nike and it will be fascinating to see who's right yeah It'll be incredible. Hey, you want to put an interesting pin on this? Yeah, sure. Um, The Hill have just tweeted that Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey overruled staff to keep Alec Jones' account on Twitter. (laughs) Because of course he did. (laughs) What a fuckhead. Jesus. What a fuckhead. Hey, speaking of football, um, you need to go onto Twitter. Yes. I just tweeted out a link to my Fantasy Survivor League. Yeah. And you should join that because that's really, really... Is it really... not a bit late now? No, no, no. no. It's, it, it's not a, not a full-on Fantasy League. It's just, it's just a Survivor League. So all you need to do is each week you have to pick a team who will win that week. Well, well now that the mergers happen, it's a person. No, no, no. It's, 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 this is NFL, not... Different survivor. <sighs> yes. Right. So all you have to do, all you have to do, is pick one team who will win that week. Great. The caveat is that you can never pick that team again. Holy crap! Right. So you can't just sort of pick the Green Bay Packers sixteen. Okay. Week. So I've caught up now. You didn't mean Survivor. It's an actual NFL yeah, Survivor NFL. version variant. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They call it a Survivor pool. Yep. So so you need to join up on that, and then what you need to do is each week you put in a pick, and you decide, and and. and Anyone who is listening, uh, I actually better get this podcast out before the end of the week so that <laughs> listeners can join. Um, oh, you know what? Oh, Steve, Steve, I'm, I'm going to break with tradition. Yes. And, and instead of just putting Young and the Restless plot lines in the show, <laughs> the show description, I'm going to put a link to my survival <laughs> league. <laughs> I'm so fucking shallow. Oh, the, the whole idea of having impenetrable show titles and notes that meant made no sense was entirely my idea, and here I am, the first time that I want to exploit our audience, going, sure, here's a link. <laughs> Come and Gosh. do this thing. So you should join it. That's right. It's not like my um, my GoFundMe request to give me Lego has paid off, so we might as well try this. <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. I didn't mean... To, I, I forgot to you tell mocked you. it I, lo- I, just viciously, and no one has jumped on board. I, 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 I forgot to tell you. I, I actually forgot to put that in the show notes. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you should come and play, because it, 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 like, it, this is like not as 
busy as a fantasy league. All you have to do is just pick one team each week. Simple as that. It, it would... I, I like the theory. The problem for me is that I would be out in a half a half a heartbeat. Well, it, well, here's the thing. Because I'm so very generous, um, I, I've actually set this up as double elimination. So you actually get oh. to get it wrong twice before you go out. Well, I'll be out week three. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Well, mate, mate, here's the bonus. I'm, I might. You could, you, but the I'm, I might let you actually. Here. I might, might, might let you join the group chat from my fantasy league, which is actually, I'll tell you, the best thing about my fantasy league is in actually playing fantasy football. It's, it's, it's the sledging in the group chat. <laughs> so it's it's just like the league. Yeah, well, um, pretty much. The real difficulty for me in this is that, like, the whole context and, and concept of this thing means that I could actually tip who's going to win the Super Bowl the first week and then therefore not win because... I've already tipped them, and I can't tip them again. Well, it doesn't matter who's going to win the Super Bowl. It's just who's going to win this week. And, Even if I can't tip, if I've tipped them this week and I can't tip them again, that's right. And then you have to find someone else who's going to win that the next week. Yeah, that's but then the, that means that's that, the like, whole say challenge. I'm, but if I pick, let's hypothetically say I pick the Packers, yeah, I can't then pick them again the rest of the season. Nope. But they could win the Super Bowl. Is my point. But that doesn't I'm matter. Stuffed. No, this is a last man standing thing, right? So the whole <sighs> idea is. So could, is, what you're after then is more people to play with and lord your NFL skills. Oh, I'm so going to lose this. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm the worst at this kind of strategic thinking. Uh, <laughs> in fact, hilariously, in our fantasy league last year, uh, the guy who actually scored the most points overall. Uh, didn't make the final game because he like everyone's best week ever was against him (laughs) (laughs) and i i I like slid into the finals with a horrible record uh and ended up winning the whole thing just with like a lucky run in the last three weeks um but this where you actually have to genuinely like pick someone who will win a game i think i will suck at but you know you should join it anyway because it's fun yeah, oh, look, I'm down with that. I like fun. All right. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. Anyway, it's on my Twitter. It's going to be in the show notes. Good. People should join it just because they can. Uh, and just because that will also assuage my guilt about taking pleasure in uh, a professional sport that's going to cause brain damage for like an enormous number of its players at some point down the track. It's reason enough for me not to be involved. In oh, don't, 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 don't be moral now, Mom. I mean, <laughs> don't, hang on. Don't be moral now. <laughs> No, I mean, this has. Listen, this is my blind spot, and everyone else should join in it. <laughs> Dave, don't, I will humour you for the three weeks that I'm in the conversation. Don't shame me for enjoying the long term suffering of these people. Oh, look, they do it willingly and earn millions of dollars. Do not feel yeah, like you should have any guilt on you. This is the worst thing, though, Steve. Not all of them do. Not, yeah, but lots most, of them do. And no, even the ones no, that don't most, earn millions earn hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, but for, you, you know what the average career length in the NFL is? Six weeks. Three years. Which is why they're out there for the big money. They're, yeah, they're wanting to get no, there. Yeah, but, but if you're only there for three years, you're not a big money person. You're a couple of hundred thousand dollars. Like, admittedly, like if you do three years, you're probably going to make a million and a half, right? Sure. But you're... But in that three years, that's enough time to absolutely destroy your body. Sure. Yeah, I don't know that it's a good equation. But here's the thing. Either get in the NFL if you can run really fast or you're made of metal. <laughs> right? Don't don't attempt it for any other reason. 
Or be the guy that can throw real good and everyone else's job is to protect you. Mm. That way, when you get hurt, it's their fault. Yeah, it doesn't hurt any less. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. But if you're in that kind of important position, then the club are doing everything they can to make sure that you're well again. This is very true. Unless you're Paxton Lynch. That's a deep cut. Trust me. <laughs> uh, I have just enough information to understand that. <laughs> oh, dear. What else have you been up to? Like, let's ignore politics and football and television for, like, five minutes. What else have I... I have to go to Sydney tomorrow Mm -hmm. for a day-long meeting of uh, people that got voted into jobs at the last National Assembly. Um, That they're not... Like, they're not paid jobs. They're volunteer jobs. Um, It's a job that I'm very passionate about and keen to get involved with. Um, and was keen when they said that, you know, look on the, the 5th of September, come down to Sydney for a day and we'll talk about all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. Fine. The problem is I've got to the 4th, you know, 10.55 on the 4th of September and I could do with a whole bunch of not going to Sydney tomorrow <laughs> for the day. Uh, so I said down and back, fly in and out? Yep, and then drive up the Sunshine Coast when I get back. Oh. Because I've got an 8 o'clock meeting on Thursday morning and I'm not getting up early on, on Thursday to drive up there. That does sound like a rough day. Oh, it's hard diabolical. I've had to start going to Canberra. Yeah, well, you are a team leader, Dave. Oh, I know, but Steve, I've spent like over a decade not having to go to the office, and now I do. And it's oh, it's it's overrated, isn't it? Going to Canberra. It's oh, got just, its benefits. No, just, 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 well, actually, here's one of the benefits. Our office is actually really close to Ikea in Canberra. Yes, so you inevitably get told, bring back this. Don't be creepy, people. Um, but, well, it also means that I get to have, like, meatballs for lunch. Yeah, oh, gosh. Now, take it, and, and you know, not just meatballs, but they have other good things, and then there's that lolly thing outside the checkouts and yeah, $1 hot dogs. And... Yeah, it's not bad, it's not bad. And but the... Um, but I, I haven't found anyone in the office yet who's got a Costco membership because that's right next to Ikea out there. Mate, don't be so tight. You go there so often now, you could buy it yourself. What? Yeah, but see, what, like, what's a Costco membership? 60 bucks? Oh, whatever it is, it's worth it. But you, well, bring a trailer and you could go home with a year's worth of toilet paper. <laughs> but see, here's the problem, Stephen. Bring the caravan. Stephen, Stephen, here's the problem with, with that is that I live in a house that's not large enough to have a month's worth of toilet paper, let alone a year's yeah, worth of toilet paper. You're not up. listening to me, Dave. If you pack the caravan full of a year's worth of toilet paper, <laughs> it can stay in the caravan until you need to leave in the caravan, and then you put it in the house because you're not going to be in the house. <laughs> so what you're advocating is that we use our caravan as a storage shed. 100%. <laughs> What's he like... I d- what is it doing you for the other fifty weeks of no, the that's year? No, actually, that's a fair point. I, I, I just, I just want, I want someone with a Costco membership that I can go in with, just so that I can get the Costco experience to figure out whether or not I actually want to be able to be bringing You're home esky loads full of stuff. It. You're supposed to be able to walk around without it. It's only if you want to buy something that oh, you really? then have to buy one. Okay, oh, I might have to go and check it out. Yeah, yeah, it's. It's amazing out there. So you've got yeah, we've a, got I, one opening up in Ipswich next year, and uh, we're we're going to be one of the many people that frequent. I'm sure. Well, 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 again, I haven't popped my head in, but at the front of Costco is a Costco service station. Yes, and let me tell always you, cheap. The, well, the queues there look like the oil crisis of the 1970s. Yes. The queues are so long because it's always cheap, and because of it, all of the service stations in the within 5k 
have to drop their prices. Yeah, it's uh, well, I, I, I should I should actually take a good look at that because I, I, I get on my feeling Jugion. Yes. Yes. Just just, you know, just pro tip. Um, anyone who's driving between Sydney and Melbourne, Jugion has the cheapest fuel anywhere. And you can get some really tasty things in Jugion. Look nice at that. Who says you can't learn something mm. listening to us talk? Speak, speaking of, of travelling and things like that, I have to tell you, I got the best gift ever, Stephen Mulk, the other day. Yes. What, what was it? So, I have... So, I have uh, met uh, a, you know, a, a great, great person um, who... Uh, what, what part of what we have in common is a, a real love of, of Southeast Asia and Cambodia in particular. Mm-hmm. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, he was travelling from Sydney to Melbourne and you know dropped in and we, we, we caught up for a coffee, which we've done um, on a previous occasion. Sure. Uh, and previously we'd talked about this book that that, that uh, he had a copy of and I was desperate to read that you know, it's it's long out of print. Um, by Tim Page, who was a photojournalist during the Vietnam War. And we went up for a coffee, and he pops out a copy of this book. I'm just like, oh. And he says, oh, I was in a second-hand bookshop in Bangkok. <gasps> wow. Yep. And I saw this, and I thought you might like it. Oh, Dave, that's amazing. That is... is mate... That is the power of the internet. How, how good is the internet? It is great. And it's then us together, it's got new free stuff. I've got nothing, but it's still amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. And then it reminded. And then I thought, like days later, yeah, I've got a gorgeous book which I've really enjoyed reading, it, and, and I'm so thankful that like it was such a thoughtful gift. Yeah. And but on the flip side, I don't know if that outweighs <laughs> the, the like bright part existing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Steve. It's a, it's, it's a it's a tricky world. Yeah, but there are only there are only things that you can do about some of those things. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, be granted the serenity to know the things that you can change, the things that you can't, and how much your kids are worth on eBay. <laughs> Look, ultimately, I think the the moral of the story is, Steve. I think people should stop off in Albury, have a coffee with me, and give me books. Yeah. Look, it sounds fair. It really does sound fair. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I mean like, like any time, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> Go right ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm not weird. I'm sure you're not. And, and if nothing else, you're short enough that you, they can push you over and drive away. <laughs> That's ex- I only meet people, Steve. I, I meet people in public places. <laughs> yeah, I, I, of course. I don't expect them to come. come. Like the recycling centre just down the road from your house. I don't expect them to go to my house. That's like, that kind of weird. Ah, oh dear. Anyway, uh, I think I'm done, Steve. I think, I think I'm feeling. Can we like, purge that demon? I, I, I'm feeling a lot calmer. That's good. I, I've talked a lot tonight. <laughs> the waveforms of tonight's episode are really going to make me very embarrassed tomorrow. Or <laughs> let's be honest, next week when I actually get to putting this thing together so that I can Truth. upload it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too late for the the, the um, NFL no, surviving game. I'll get it in time. It's been, just been one of those weeks. So yeah. Thank you for hearing me, Stephen. Oh, Dave, I love chatting with you. 
I love you too, Stephen. You have a good week. You too, mate. You take care. Bye. Bye, Dave.